When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 312, 312. It is June 13th, 2022. It's 112 degrees in Austin, Texas this morning. And I'm joined once again by Kyle Klingman from Cedar Tales, Iowa. Um, Kyle, big week last week, man. Um, we, we, kicked, we capped off Final X. You came out to New York City. It was a lot of fun. Um, what did you think of the event? I'm still kind of reeling from the cedar tail. That was really creative. Yeah, go ahead. I, oh, I like that. But Cedar Front, Cedar I, Creek, whatever it is. It was fantastic, man. Just being out there, having it at the Hulu Theater. I went in 2019 for the Beat the Streets event and uh, finally have it back there in 2022. It was really cool to see. And the matches were electric. And, and it's just uh, Final X is a good product. Absolutely. I thought it was great. I actually just got home yesterday, um, was on a film film project shoot after that and i'll just give a quick quick uh description of this some people have heard of this young man um so we're doing a, a new kind of a series called no sad stories and just basically you take an unfortunate story but you, you hear it from somebody and it's not a sad story it's just the it's a story um uh, of their life that they had to overcome something and, and moved on to, to good things and there's a young man out in Long Beach, which is on Long Island, his name's Dunia Sibomana. Um, he's from the Congo, out in Africa. When he was six years old, he and um, a brother and maybe a, a cousin or a brother, they still don't know who the, the last kid was, but they were attacked by chimpanzees. Like this, like a serious, serious deal. And, and he, he was, his face was all mauled up. His brother and his cousin didn't survive the attack, right? Um, Long story short, he was found, um, I think a year maybe after the attack, a foundation had heard about this, some people, and they, they got brought to the United States to have some surgeries, right, because they didn't really have the means to take care of it down there. Makes his way to Long Island, meets a guy named Miguel Rodriguez, who's one of the wrestling coaches at Long Beach, who's this very... I don't even know how you describe it. He's the mayor of, of Long, uh, Long Beach, not really, but knows everyone and is super kind gentleman who's just into helping people the best he can. He kind of took Dunia in, has since adopted him. Dunia now lives in Long Island, on Long Beach, and, you know, he's recovered. He's still got scars and everything and probably will still continue to have more surgeries, but he won a state title as an eighth grader and just and just an amazing kid, like... So much energy, so much like oh, good energy coming from this kid, um, and, and we spent three days with them and, and interviewed him and his coaches and his new mother, his his adopted mother, and that it'll be a little. It's, it's, that's a big. It was a big undertaking, so it'll be a little bit before that one comes out. I would I would assume this fall, but be on the lookout. Um, and and like I said, the series is called No Sad Stories. Uh, we got a couple other ones lined up 
that, that will fall under that category. But that's what I did, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to Dania, Miguel, and, and everybody down in, in Long Beach, down in Long Island. I'm really looking forward to that one. Kyle, had you heard of this kid? Hadn't, yeah. I, I heard you were you're doing this shoot, and I uh, hadn't really heard the, the breakdown of the story, but it sounds fascinating. Can't wait to see it. It really is. It really is. So I, I was just – I. It's like on my mind, so I wanted to wanted to share that with you guys. But we're going to pivot back to Final X and the world team members and bring on <laughs> – talk about entertaining. This guy is just like like no other, man. It's Benji Peak. He's your world team trial champion. He is your United States world team member in Greco-Roman, and he's our guest today, so bring him on. Benji, thanks for joining, man. How are you? Good, good. How are you guys? Man, I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you joining us. Um, you know, you came onto my radar uh, a couple, two, three years ago. I don't I just remember, I don't even know what tournament it was. I think it was in Vegas. Maybe it was the Open. And I just, he, I'm hearing this commotion. And you're getting on the mat. You're getting off. You're, like, throwing your arms in the air. You're yelling. You're yelling as you get off the mat. Not upset or mad. You're like, like an excited, a good energy kind of yell. And then I'm like, what's going on? Who is that guy? So I was like, oh, this is this, this kid in Greco. And explain, you know, he's got a lot of energy and, and, a, and a big personality. And it's, it's not easy to have that, but it's, it's harder to make a world team. And it's even more rare to put them, put them in one. So one, congrats oh. on making the world team. Two, thank you. Let's just kind of go, let's get into your story and like how, how you, you're wrestling out at Northern Michigan now. But how did you get introduced to wrestling? From the, from the start? Um, when I was younger, my mom would go to work, and uh, she had to find a place to drop me off, so I would, uh, would kind of just go to wrestling practice all day until she got done. I'd do, like, the youth practice, and then I'd do the middle school practice, and then I'd do, like, the older practice, and then she'd get done, and she'd pick me up. And then I just kind of started doing that, like, daily. I just enjoyed it. And um, from there, we just kept going, and then... Once I got uh, more into it and started liking it and finding success, I started going to tournaments every weekend, and from there, the rest is history. So, like, when you're doing the grade school, middle school, and high school practices, are you in grade school, or are you in middle school, or are you in high school? Yeah, I was just, like, I was, like, five. I started when I was four, but then when I got, like, to six, seven years old, I started just doing them all. A lot of times I wouldn't have a partner, so I'd just shadow wrestle on the side when I was younger. That's pretty, I don't know. It was just something to do. Dude, that's awesome. Not many five or six or seven year olds are confident or comfortable enough to you know wrestle with the junior high or middle school, let alone the high school. What was it yeah. like? You know, were, were kids friendly with you? Were you just kind of like a, a kid that was kind of ignored and like, oh, it's just some extra kid in the room off to the side, or, or what was that experience like? I mean, when I was younger, a little bit, but I mean, the wrestling community, especially in Elkhorn, where I'm from, we have a very strong uh, wrestling culture here. So as soon as you join the team or like around everyone, you get accepted pretty quickly. And um, I'm so thankful for all the, the Elkhorn community in general, just because they allowed me to do all that and stay through the practices until my mom was done. So, yeah, it was. it's always been good. Never really had any problems. What did you like about wrestling? that made you want to do three practices? Um, I really like, I just, I always like this, is uh, the individual aspect to the sport. I don't got to, like, rely on nobody. When I was younger, I played baseball when I was real little, and 
somebody would strike out, I would get really mad and I played uh, some football and you can't hold the ball every play, but in wrestling, um, you're always in control of what's happening and that's always been something I enjoyed. I would, I would imagine going to these three practices, they're probably primarily folk style. Yeah, they were all folk style when I was younger. I really didn't get into Greco until um, like middle school, like uh, like the middle of middle school. Okay, so so in finding Greco, well, how did you get introduced? How did you find Greco Roman wrestling, and and you know what were your initial thoughts? Um, out of Wisconsin, Wisconsin's got a really big Greco like heritage, just like the Midwest in general. And uh, um, one of my good friends, Jesse Silky. He was a few years older than me, and um, I would always go watch him wrestle, and I was like, dude, this is really cool. He was always throwing everyone, and um, when I saw him start doing it, I started going to the same – we start, we we were at the same club, but then I started going to the Greco practices, and I fell in love with it instantly. As soon as everyone started doing back arches and throwing guys, I was, I was hooked pretty quickly. Do you remember your first Greco practice or, or your first Greco competition? I do. It was the state tournament. That was like the one of like the very first ones I did, and I won. But I got thrown a couple times, and it was it was a wake up call kind of in a sense. Like you, you weren't you aren't the best at this because all through folk style for the most part, at least in the state of Wisconsin, I was the best. And then Greco came around. I was getting thrown a little more. I was still winning, but um, I liked the competitive edge of it and um, the throws. The throws hooked me. I love that stuff. So it was really good. So at this point, you 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 you're you introduced to Greco, and you you start going to the states. You you win, but you're getting thrown, but you're but you're winning. Um, I, I assume there was a time when you're wrestling both folk style and Greco, yeah. right? So how long did that go on where you, where you did both, and at what point were you like, I'm sick, I'm a totally Greco guy? Yeah, I was doing um. Folk style and Greco from like like hardcore both of them from like freshman year to about junior year I was doing both and um, I just got done I won folk style state my junior year in Wisconsin and I took like second at Asics Nationals and I was really like starting to get recruited a little bit and then I went to Fargo and I took second at Fargo and Greco and uh, there was just something I always enjoyed the Greco practices a little more than the folk style practices I just I just liked it more, and my coach in combat, at combat, Lucas Stelt, he just kind of, like, told me about the program, and when I went up there, uh, up at Northern Michigan, I went up there, and uh, I saw what the guys were doing, and other practices were running the campus and everything, and I really kind of fell in love with it all. I liked the atmosphere, and I took some college visits, but it was it was nothing compared to, like, what they were doing there. It just looked so fun, and... Uh, was something I wanted to be a part of. So my junior year, instead of wrestling uh, senior year of high school, the coach at Northern just said, hey, you can move up here. We'll even move you in the dorms as a senior. You can do high school online, and um, you can start wrestling with us right away. So I was like, I thought about it for like a month, and uh, next thing I know, I was packing my stuff up at 17 years old, moving up there with all these old dudes and um, living living in the dorms and training with everyone. It was very quick. Like, it was a very quick transition. Yeah, and you said you, you went up there and, and you had taken some other college folks out, I assume college visits. Yeah. But there was something about what they were doing and, and you know, the practice. 
what 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 were they doing or what how diff, what was different about it other than they're not grabbing legs that you were like yeah this this atmosphere just feels right can, can you like um, put your finger on it or is it more of just a feel like a vibe yeah i mean they were bringing in a lot of guys there's a lot more guys coming in there than uh, than you may have thought like at least on recruits like recruits and everything and um when they'd come, like, uh, Andy Bisick had just got hired the year I got there. Like, it was his first year. And he had talked to me and just kind of told me, like, this isn't about winning nationals. This isn't about making world teams. This is, like, about winning world championships and being not only the best in the country, but being the best in the world. And um, I really that really spoke to me, in a sense, because, like, um, I had always wanted to be an Olympic champion, more than an NCAA champion, you know what I mean? And... Uh, in order for me to do that, these are kind of sold me. Like, if you really, truly want to do that, this is the best place to be. And um, it ended up working out. I, I really think it's going to work out. It's, so. I mean, it's certainly working out to this point, right? You're making progress and you're making yeah. jumps and you, you just made your first world team. Now, the the decision to leave home at 17, I know most kids leave at 18, but it's it's a year early. You know, yeah. what what was the conversation like with your parents? What was it like in your own head and maybe with your friends? Because, right, you're like, you're going to skip prom, graduation, senior year of high school, you know, n- normal things that a lot of kids enjoy, but you you made a sacrifice to pursue something else. Yeah, it was really hard, um, especially with, like, my wrestling friends on my high school team, just because um, I was a leader on the team and uh, – our team had a good chance to win state. We oh, just no. fell short the year before. And then uh, I kind of pack up shop and leave them. Like, I, I do feel bad still to this day about it. But uh, I'm for a while, we were pretty bitter. But we're back, and I'm good friends with all of them again. But that was really rough. And my mom's a high-level gymnastics coach, and my dad's a athlete himself. So, like, the conversation was, like, you got to do what's best for you. They kind of told me. And. Um, they were supporting me no matter what I chose. It was hard on them to see me leave a little little sure. early, but eventually I was going to go, and I think they knew that, and they just supported me the whole way. How'd your high school team do that year? The year you were gone? They lost in team sectionals to the team that won it, to Stoughton. They lost to a good team. They, they Tell me they didn't lose by one match. No, they lost by two. So Okay, so it wouldn't bad. matter. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Like a little silver lining there. Um, so, you know, you, you're saying you get out there to northern Michigan, you pack, you got, you're at the dorms, but it's like all these older guys. <laughs> what was, was this a similar situation to youth where, like, you're six and you're going to middle school and high school practices where you felt, did you kind of feel like that same, um, this little kid, in, in, a, in a grown man's world. Yeah, it was definitely weird because um, just for like at least a while, like from high school, even like eighth grade, middle school, when I'd come into a wrestling room, like I was the guy, you know, I came in there. I was the one like people wanted to take down. People wanted mm-hmm. to, uh, I was, wasn't giving up points, you know, and then uh, I transitioned up there and uh, these guys have all been wrestling senior level, high level Greco for a long time. I'm used to Fargo and, you know, youth or high school, Greco, Wisconsin State. And I go up there. I didn't score a point for a year, you know, <laughs> and it's like it it crushes you for a little bit. And I'm wrestling Brandon Miranda and Dalton Roberts, and these guys are Sammy Jones. They're killing me. They're literally just killing me. And uh, it was really hard to be the low man on the totem pole for a little bit, but 
I really, I, because of that, I feel like that's why I'm where I am today. And it was, it was awesome for me. Man, during that, you know, that first year, that's not uncommon, right? Whether it's a, a folk style college room or, or, or a, a totally. new guy comes in who's had a lot of success, but all of a sudden he's like the baby yeah. and he's getting thumped on. Right? Yeah. Was that was that tough mentally or, or emotionally? Maybe it's, maybe that's kind of the same thing. But like, did you ever go back, lay in your dorm, and be like, "What the hell am I doing? Like, I suck." Totally. totally. There were times where like I would call my mom and I'd be like, like almost in tears in a way. I'd be like, "I don't know if I can do this." And it was like, she'd just be like, "You you're fine. You're young." I talked to my coaches and I'm like, "I don't know if I'm doing something wrong, but it's like I haven't scored yet. It's been six months. I need to." I need to do something, and they just told me just to trust the process, and um, yeah, it worked out, but there was a good chunk of time where it was very frustrating. It was very frustrating. Did you ever consider or, or weigh the options to like pack it in and be like, this ain't for me, I'm out of here? Totally, totally, especially when the snow started coming in the UP, because <laughs> that ain't a joke. Like, people think it's a joke. No, you have seven months of heavy snow. And I'm not, I'm, they got all this snow, you can't leave your dorm, um, uh, I'm, I'm not winning, I know I'm still going to be good at folk style if I come back, it's like I can still go to school somewhere good, and um, again, my mom was probably the most persistent one to just stay with it, because I had called her and said I want to come home, and she's like, you got to finish the year, and um, I just, I can't even believe that... Uh, by the end of that year, I started scoring a little more, and I started having more fun, and uh, I fell in love with it again. So, when you're talking to your mom, and you're like, "I don't know if this is right," or I'm even, I'm thinking about just, just quitting and coming home, and she said, "You got to finish the year." Was part of you like, "All right, I'll finish the year, but I'm not coming back." Like, was there a point where you thought that, and then maybe your mind changed as you started to score and see a little bit more success? I mean, there was never a time where I was like, there's no chance of me coming back, I guess. Because then I started wrestling. Uh, I was still a cadet when I was there. So I was wrestling these cadet tournaments. And when I'd get my hands on these guys, I started killing them. <laughs> but there was, in the back of my mind, it was like, maybe I maybe I am done. Like a little bit, there always is that. But once I started hitting the tournaments, like the cadet trials and then the junior trials, it was like, holy cow, I'm, I'm, I'm making leaps and bounds. I'm just wrestling the best guys, but I'm... I'm truly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I bet that felt good. Uh, meet up with some guys your own age and like see see the progress and have the success. As far as your boastfulness, your outspoken, your 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 big personality, right? And it's, I love it. I think it's great. You know, you throw some trash talking in there. I don't have a problem with that. I think you know it's good for the sport and it grabs attention. Were you like that in high school? Were you? Is that just kind of your personality in general? Totally, totally. No, I just I I have kind of it's my personality in general. It's always been um, like talk the talk, and you got to walk the walk. That's always kind of what I believed in. And I mean, you I think you're allowed to talk as long as you can back it up always. And for the most part, I usually do. I had a little scare there. I was getting a little nervous in Stillwater, but. I ended up backing it up a little bit, so felt good. But my whole life, I've been, I've been talking the talk. So, um, and I'm going to continue to. I'm going to continue to until someone, until someone stops me. So, I love it. Well, uh, you know, when you showed up at Northern Michigan, was it a little tougher to 
talk the talk when you're getting pounded on? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and everybody, everybody talks there. It's a very competitive room, and there's a lot of trash talk going on. So um, that's kind of where I've learned a lot of it, to be honest with you, is is in that room. But uh, it was very hard, and I was getting killed, and I was getting really mad. But now I'm now I'm having more fun. I have fun talking it too. You know, it's trying to. Trying to to sell the show a little bit. Tell me about making you know transitioning from cadets and juniors to the senior level, and how that was at first compared to you know today you being the best guy in the country at your weight. Um, my roommate. I always told my roommate like no matter what age level I'm at, even when I'm a first year cadet, when I was a first year junior. I always told him, like, I've always been at the top of my age division, no matter how old I was. So then there was a time I turned 21, and uh, I was talking with my teammates, and they're like, how do you think you're going to do? It was Olympic trials was my first tournament as, like, an actual senior, 21 wow. years old. And uh, I told them the same thing. I said, no matter what the age level has been, I've always been one of the top guys. And I felt like they didn't believe me, and Olympic trials comes around. And I'm seated 12, and I just start picking guys apart. I end up making the challenge tournament finals. I lose to Ellis Coleman, and close one. Come back, take third, make national team as a first year. Come back to the wrestling room, just kind of tell everyone, like, I told you, no matter what, how old I am, I'm going to be one of the best guys. 2022 comes around, and I knew I was winning. So, Describe that Olympic team trials at, at uh, that first senior level tournament. And... Your talk, your either trash talk or or confident talk, or you know, compare that to the Benji Peak we saw in in uh, Stillwater at the press conference on the mat, doing his thing, yeah. like like personality and like boastfulness. Um, I'm not gonna lie, that tournament you come into Olympic trials, you're, you're like I turned 21 like a month before that tournament, maybe even less, a couple weeks, and uh, I'm talking with my coaches, and they're kind of like. You can win. You can win some matches. Like you totally can. And I'm like, I'm gonna win it. Like I'm telling them they get the, they get the draw. And my coach Bezik is loving it. I'm telling them I'm gonna win it. I get the 12 seed. I get the guy I lost to first round at last chance. And I tech him. And I'm going crazy right after I tech him. And I just use that energy from that first match. And I start being every guy in the bracket I had lost to once. And I just teched them all. Nobody made it out of a minute. And when I got into the finals, I really thought I was going to win the whole thing. I was super excited, but I fell a little short. And uh, because of how good I did there, coming into these world team trials, I mean, I just knew I was going to win. I had one year to kind of uh, maybe not make a team and just kind of say, all right, it's my first year. But now I'm two years in. It's time to start getting this done. It's important for me to make these teams so my college teammates can see, like, you don't got to be 26 years old to make a – to make a senior world team, you can do this at our program. It helps guys come to Northern, and it's important for me to to get the wins. Yeah, that I mean, that's great. That that your confidence that you're speaking of is just like oozing out of you, even you know from the 12 seed, which I think is awesome. Uh, on top of of that success and that confidence, has has part of mission's not the right word, but maybe something that you're trying to do be like, but you're being yourself, like talking being loud and and like backing it up in, in an exciting fashion right you you try to make things exciting your matches are fun you don't 
you know, some Greco matches can get boring, right? Guys just sit there and they push and they pummel. Uh-huh. And, but you take a lot of risks. You, you talk a lot of smack. Is this just for you? Are you trying to make Greco exciting a, 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 while you do it as well? Um, it is for me a little bit just because it gives me some a little more energy when I'm out on the mat. But uh, I'm trying – I really keep trying to, like, emphasize, like, I'm trying to save the sport, like, as much as I can. I, I feel like there are times when – when Greco is going on, people go and get refreshments and that like bugs me. You know, you go to a tournament, the Greco comes on and guys go get their pretzel. And it's like, now I feel like when I'm out there, Tracy Hancock, come on, it's a great time to be a part of Greco. I feel like I'm a part of that because when we're wrestling, guys are clicking off freestyle matches. They want to see us wrestle. They want to see some throws. They want to see guys take risks. And uh, that's what I'm trying to be a part of. I know those guys are too. And I truly think, we're all making a change. We got to keep doing what we're doing. And uh, I think it's a good time to be a part of USA Greco. Yeah, I think uh, some of the, you know some of the matches and some of the stuff we saw at, at Final X was some of the most exciting Greco. Uh, yeah. I've definitely seen in quite some time, maybe maybe ever on a, on a whole as a solid, you know, like top level, top level Greco. So let's get to Final X. You, you know, you're in there against... Um, I think Pat's been on at least a couple teams, right? Pat Smith's yeah, got some world level experience. Three, three, four. I'll even start with the, with the press conference, right? Because this would be normal in the UFC, right? But wrestling, everybody's very everybody's very nice, and it's a small community. Everybody's very respectful. But you like, you just like went right right at Pat Smith, and you were like, "Dude, you make the world team, and you go zero and one every year, and we need to get somebody in." You know, like you're not what uh, that whole deal. Was that how you felt, which it probably was? Was any of that psychological warfare? Like, I'm just going to come at this guy like nobody does in wrestling, and maybe maybe that'll rattle him. And maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but it worked. Or, or yeah. everything you did worked, whether or not this was a planned part of that. But I'm curious your your philosophy behind it. Um, totally it's to get in his head. You know, like that's the main reason of it, I feel like. I mean – if you go in there and I tell them he's a great competitor like the rest of the guys did, I mean, nothing's changed. We're going into the same thing as when I lost to him in Nebraska, you know. Um, I got to change some things up. When I heard him talking, he threw me a, a hanging curveball, talking about how he made a bunch of changes. And um, I saw it, and I just tried to hit it out the park. And when I'm sitting there in the press conference, I had guys asking me, like, oh, it looks like you're trying to cut a promo. And I'm like, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. You guys, like, what's the point of the press conference if I go up here and I say, oh, what a great competitor he is? Obviously, he's a great competitor. Every single guy that's sitting up there for the press conference is a great competitor. That's why you're there. We're here to to, to sell it. We're here to, to make a name for ourselves. That's the point of the press conference. If everyone's going to sit there and play, play grab, grab butt and then you know there's no point of having it yeah there's no point of having it yeah do you do you enjoy that that spotlight that showmanship that like that whole side of it or is it just something you do because maybe i'm trying to get in his head you like every time i go out there on the mat every time i got a camera on me i tell my uh my roommate i'm like when we were on our way to the tournament i'm like i'm gonna steal the show the whole time we, we were getting the whole week going in i'm like Somehow I'm gonna steal the show, and that's just what I'm always trying to do. If I can, if there's an opportunity for me to uh, to be in the spotlight, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. And I'm gonna steal it. 
You you did, man. You did, did awesome. Um, and so into the wrestling, you're like, I almost didn't do it, right? Because I he took match one, right? Yeah. If I remember correctly, yeah. So tell me about, I guess, in between matches one and two, what you do, what you think, do you rest, do you take a nap, do you do you stretch or re-wrestle, or do you sit and talk with your coaches and come up with a stretch? I doubt you're watching film, but maybe. But, like, what, what kind of things happen between matches one and two? Um, when I dropped the first one, I was very mad. Like, I was super mad, and it's just like I get off the mat and I lose because I give up a four-pointer on the edge, and it's like I'm frustrated because he doesn't want to lock up with me. He doesn't want to wrestle he wants to just push and my coach is telling me like dude you lost on you out wrestling the whole match you gave up one mistake like if you stay in the center of the mat you're gonna win and uh i was still really down because you know how hard it is. it's hard to come back yeah. you gotta win two in a row now and that last match was at midnight 11 30 it was like i go to bed at nine you know it's <laughs> like um so that was coming around i'm in the break and I'm, I'm kind of beating myself up. I got a bunch of people texting me. I'm not answering them. I go over to that uh, that Hall of Fame right next door to Stillwater. Yep. I'm just kind of looking around. And I'm like, if I want to be in here, I got to do something. Like, I wanted, like I'm looking. I'm like, I want to get my name in this thing somehow. I got to I gotta turn it around. So I went straight over to the arena from there. They're right next door to each other. Uh-huh. And I just kind of I started warming up a little bit earlier. I didn't put headphones in. I felt like I was getting a little too jacked up before the match. Um, I made some little changes with my coach and just decided I'm going to stay in the center of the mat and make him wrestle me. And I don't think if there's a scramble that happens, if there's an actual wrestling position besides push-outs, that he can beat me. And that's what I did. And I forced match three. And from there, I knew I was winning. As soon as we went to match three, I could tell I was winning. You kind of got the hair on my arm standing up here thinking about And I'm picturing, like, you're, you're painting a really good picture. Like, yeah, I went to the Hall of Fame, looked around. I want to be on the wall. came back. All that. What do you do between matches two and three now? Because now it is inching towards midnight. Or it's probably eight, nine o'clock, right? It's getting late, and you're running through that second round, and there's a handful of the third rounds that are stacking up. Um, and you've wrestled two matches. You're you're tired. You I don't know how much you do or need, don't need to warm up, but, like, What'd you do between matches two and three? Um, I got back up in the wrestling room. I looked around. He hadn't came back up there. I don't think he wanted to see me because we'd been up there the whole time and then he didn't come up there. And uh, it rolled around at like 11 o'clock. And I'm like, I got this. I'm tired. But like, I'm like, this dude's 45 years old or however old he is, you know. I'm like, he goes to bed at like six o'clock and gets the early bird special. So I got this. Now he's fatigued. And, uh, I came out there, same thing, same plan. I'm going to get on top. I went down two points right away, but I went to the corner, and he was breathing hard, and I was fine. I knew I was going to get on top. And uh, when I scored on top, once I took the lead, it was like, again, I'm going to stay in the center of the mat, and uh, I'm going to make him wrestle me. And when I do that, a lot of these guys can't compete with me. So it was perfect. Everything kind of fell into place. Would you say Parterre was the difference in match three? Totally, totally. I mean, and again, the the whole time this guy was grabbing my singlet, and uh, in the match three, they they finally picked up. I had been telling the refs since match one, like, hey, I can't do anything if he's grabbing my singlet. And uh, they picked up on it, and they started hitting him for it, and then he had to actually start wrestling me. And 
then I started picking picking them apart, getting some push outs, getting some arm drags. So it all really worked out. So there was the was it match two maybe? I think right before the end right before the break at half. There was uh, yeah. like a sequence, and they caught him, cut, and they saw he caught caught the singlet, and you all went out of bounds, and they gave him a warning or something. And then I think later that match or the next, there was two or three singlet grabs that got yeah. um, called out. Were there other ones earlier in match one or earlier in the day that didn't get seen or called? Yeah. Um, in match one, when I gave up the four points when I was winning out of bounds, he had pulled my singlet down. And my coaches, nobody had seen it, and I don't think they could hear me when I was telling them. But uh, there were multiple times. A lot of times you get an underhook, and he grabbed the back of my singlet, and I couldn't get out of it. So it was uh, it was super frustrating. I never had to deal with that before. Um, so I keep telling the reps, and they kept saying it was incidental. And, I mean, eventually you got to realize, like, this stuff isn't an accident. You know, it's not. You can't, if you rip my singlet all the way down the back, I mean, it's not an accident. And they yeah. started picking up and they did a good job, but it was a little frustrating for a while. If somebody's grabbing your singlet, it's probably like tactical to try to yeah. stop you or slow yeah. you down. Do you think any of it could have been to rattle you the same way you're trying to rattle him in the press conference, right? I, I, you know, you jab a guy in the eye when he's, whatever, you do something that's a little. You've been, and I said this on the broadcast. I'm like, in freestyle and Greco, really, it's kind of like grab the fingers as long as you can and get away with the things you can get away with because they're going to tell you to stop yeah. three times before they penalize you. Do you think any oh. of it could have been to mess with your head, or do you think more it was like, hey, he's just trying to do this to help his wrestling? Um, I think there's a little part of getting in my head, especially because I started complaining a little bit, which I probably shouldn't have been, but I was getting frustrated. So, I mean – it was working. It really was working. I think you could tell. But at the same time, um, when he beat Kamal in 2019, I'd watch those matches, and Kamal had the same problem. He'd grab the singlet. So I knew it was going to be um, something he was going to do a lot of. And uh, they just, in my matches, they happened to start catching them. I started challenging the calls because they were getting a little ridiculous. And uh, after that, when they could see it on camera, they started giving me points for it. So. Uh, you know, just walk me through like the closing seconds and and realizing you, you did what you said you were going to do, which most people probably didn't think you would. Uh, you weren't the favorite, but you, you said you were going to win and you did. You seemed, you know, pretty emotional. Talk, walk me through that and how you felt and what you thought after, right after you won that um, three. I don't know. It was uh, it was really it was just a great a great moment of uh, just because uh, when you set goals. There are a lot of times where where you don't reach that goal. There are going to be times when that happens, but um, this was a big goal of mine. Another one is to win that medal, but this is a stepping stone to get to that and um, to do it at 22, telling everyone on my team and my coaches and leaving home early to go do it. And there were times where I was like, I don't even know if this is going to work out, you know. It's a huge moment, and it's just – it was super exciting. It was just so so exciting. I can't even explain it, but – it was awesome. It really was a good feeling. And I obviously now the next task, you, you said it, right? It's, you don't just want to make the team. You want to go earn a medal. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your experience with, with international wrestlers and how well prepared do you think you are to to match up with them? Um, I haven't got to wrestle at a world championship, honestly. I mean, I've, I made the U23 team last year. I uh, 
dislocated my arm, so I had to get the wrestle there. And then I had uh, uh, made a couple junior teams, but there was always a problem. And then the year I really felt like I couldn't win juniors, uh, COVID happened. So it's like I never got that world championship experience. But um, I have wrestled at these Hungarian camps with some of the best guys I've wrestled with um olympians and olympic medalists and world champions and world medalists and um i know i can hang with them i know i can score on them i know i can take them down i i think when i get out on the mat with these guys i'm going to be one of the hardest matchups for every single one of them because i'm a little more unorthodox yeah and uh i've wrestled with these guys and they always tell me like it's very hard to wrestle me and um nobody's going to want to wrestle me in the bracket i know it and once I get my hands on them, these guys aren't going to be able to just pull them. These guys want to score too. So there's going to be some flurries. There's going to be some throws. And that's where I thrive. So I'm really excited. Are you looking to make an impact on the international crowd? Right? We'll be out in Bulgaria. You know, are you hoping to make an impression to where all of a sudden, like, they're following you in your second match and third match. They're getting more and more excited because there's this young kid who's just letting it fly and he's, and he's clearly trying to be entertaining. Yeah, I, I really think um, I can, especially when the points start getting up on the board. I, I don't think any of my matches are going to be 2-3. I don't think they're going to be like that. I think there's going to be points on the board. Either I tech them quick or we're looking at a 15 to 18 score match. Like that's, Please, and yes. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to do that. And um, whatever happens, happens. But when I win, there's gonna I'm going to try and get everyone going. I'm going to be... I want to be like Tracy. I want people to the foreign people to follow me and be excited when I win. So I'm excited, really excited. And really, this feels like it's just just the beginning. You're so young. You made your first world team. It's like, okay, he's gonna go really? out this year and hopefully wins a medal and this and that. But it's like, then next year and the year after and the year after, there's the, and these wrestling fans are gonna like be following you, and all of a sudden, you're yeah. an international superstar. Um, and I got uh, seniors. So I got senior world championships in September and then I get back and I'm home for two weeks and then I get on a plane to go to U23 world championships. So I'm going to get a lot of experience in these next few months and uh, a couple training camps too. So I'm going to, I'm going to get my name out there. You guys will see. I'm going to get my name out there. Well, you already have, but yeah, it can, it can always be bigger and better. And, and uh, I'm certainly excited. I think it's going to be awesome. And I'm, I'm excited to watch this career unfold. And we got Kyle Klingman over here hanging, being real patient. But I know Kyle's got a set of questions. He's going to try to stump you here. And he might try to get in your head. So I'll let, let Kyle take over. Kyle? We'll try. That's a good point. It's our game called Sweat It Out. We'll see if we can get into your head five questions to make you sweat. Are you ready to play? Yeah. Number one, what is the highest peak in the world? Mount Everest. You got it. Oh, where's Number my bell here? Name a childhood game that starts with the word peak. I don't know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, peekaboo. Peekaboo. Yep. <laughs> I got kids. I got baby. He helped you. He helped. That's we'll, call, we'll call that phone a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Number three. How many 14,000-foot peaks are in Colorado? Oh, my God. This this seems tough. Two. 53. Wow. No, in the ballpark. No bell on that one. 53. Yep. You sweating yet? Uh, 
<laughs> Number four, name the 1974 movie about a dog that was remade in 2018 with the same name. Benji. Got it. And then number five, in 1984, the United States crowned its first Olympic gold medalist in Greco and named the two Olympic champions from that games. Um, Rulon Gardner? Uh-uh. No, that's how old. I don't know. Was, come on, come on. Okay, let's, let's, um, one of them. One wor- yeah. go, go ahead, right. you got something, Kyle? Well, one works at USA Wrestling. And was the was the coach before Matt Lindland? Oh, um, uh, Steve Frazier. Steve Frazier. And the other, Sorry. yep, the other is no longer announced. with us. Correct. And did he announce UFC one or UFC two? And he used to do the NCAA wrestling broadcast, I believe. Yeah, I don't know this one. You guys are gonna have to help me. Yeah, his name's Jeff Blatnick. I've never even heard of him. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> a little bit. It really is. Isn't that it terrible? Really is. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. At least you're honest. Some people would be like, oh yeah, I knew that. No, I okay, okay. Three out of five passing in some places, I guess. Um, okay, you're off the hot seat with Sweat It Out. We got one more game, though. And this one's called Wins and Whoopins. So if you can think back for the entire span of your career from six years old till match three at midnight, right, uh, a week ago. Can you think of one win and one ass whooping, right, that are memorable? And it can be – the win can be a, a whooping you put on somebody or maybe it's one of those matches you just wrestled recently or maybe it's a comeback, or or uh, beating a childhood foe, or it can be anything. But one win, like when you think back at wrestling, like, oh, this one match for whatever reason, it can be spectacular. It can just mean something to you. Um, a win that's really memorable and stands out, and then like a really really badass whooping that you walked off the mat. Maybe it's like like the things you were taking for a year at Northern Michigan. But I'm looking for an actual match example. Um, one win, one whooping. Do either one first, but we're looking for one example of each from any point in your career. All right, so one win, um, Jacob Barnett, Eric Barnett's brother. I wrestled them at uh, the high school state finals. I lost to him earlier in the year, and then uh, I beat him in overtime in the finals. That was a big win for me. And then um, one whooping I took was uh, I wrestled Malik Heinzelman mm-hmm. in the national finals, and I was going out there thinking I was going to do it to him. But when I, he, super ducked, he super ducked me in front of everyone and just, he really put it on me there, and uh, that was a that was a pretty humbling experience. So that was probably the whooping. Okay, so you thought you were going to do it to him, but yeah. he ended up doing it to you. Yeah, he killed me. He Those killed are the me. worst like, when you, you come in as confident as can be, and then it just goes the exact opposite way. He cut me. It was bad. It was yes. bad. So you were a little Malik's Malik's a little guy. You used to, you were a little guy for a while, huh? Yeah, I was like I wrestled 106 for a long time. I was. 88 for a while. Dang. Yeah. All right, little guy. So, um, what's the rest of your summer look like? Um, just training, really. I go. Uh, I'm home right now, but uh, I'm gonna go back up to school. Um, I'm planning a training camp out in uh, Rome. I know there's this uh, ranking series tournament. I'm not gonna wrestle in it. I'm just gonna do the camp. Um, 
And then uh, I got to be in the OTC for a little bit in Colorado. So I got a pretty busy summer. Awesome, man. It should be a lot yeah. of fun. I mean, and it's so crazy that, totally. you know, after match one, it's trending as like your summer changed between, <laughs> you know, right after match two and three compared to after match one, you're like, I don't know. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom. Oh, crap. Not oh crap. But oh, awesome. My, this is, this yeah. is my summer now. Nonstop training at camps and, and going overseas for camp. And, um, that's pretty awesome, man. I, I I'm can only imagine how excited you are. Yeah, super, super. Awesome. Appreciative. Sweet. You. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, anybody can make it. Sofia, Bulga uh Bulgaria. No, Belgrade. So Belgrade. Bel Serbia. Serbia. Yeah. Get my European countries and cities mixed up. But Belgrade, Serbia, uh September tenth through the eighteenth. It all goes down. You can catch it right here on Flow Wrestling, if you don't get a chance to go out there, Benji. Um, we're going to give you the final word. Uh, anything you want to say about anything? Uh, not a whole lot. Just uh, it's a great time to be a part of Greco-Roman in the U.S., and um, I hope we can bring some medals home. So thank you, guys. Sweet. Yeah, thank you, Benji. Hey, congratulations on an awesome performance out in Stillwater. And, uh, man, just keep doing your thing. Keep, you know... You feeling your groove? Keep keep being you, and uh, I can't wait to to watch this whole story unfold. Awesome, appreciate it, Ben. Thank yeah, you, guys. You bet. Thanks so much, Benji. Have a great day. Bye. bye bye. All right, Kyle. He's he's the man. He's he's on a hot streak. He's confident, and he's ready to make heads roll out at the World Championships. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, like like with anything, we'll see. I mean, hey, he he talks some smack there, but it's a it's a tough. Uh, Tough road to climb to get to the peak of Greco, as you know. Did you say you did the peak? I see what you did there. Peak. I did. Yeah. I did. You and your, your puns. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it. Um, great show today. Thanks to Benji for joining us. And for Kyle Klingman, I'm Mark Bader. We'll see you next time. Thanks.